Hey guys, this is Anthony, and I'm here to let you know that the Public Philosophy Project will be hosting an event on Saturday, July 11th, at Cheesequake State Park in Old Bridge, New Jersey at 12 o'clock noon. The goal is to hang out, go for a light hike, and engage in some philosophical conversation along the way. The topic is education, something we've run into a lot on the podcast. It's totally free, and we would love to have you. If you're interested in coming or just want more information, please email publicphilproject at gmail.com. Now back to the episode. Hi, this is Anthony, and you're listening to For the Love of Sophia, a philosophy podcast brought to you by the Public Philosophy Project. If you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to email us at publicphilproject at gmail.com. Enjoy the ride. again for part two of this and we ended last time by asking this question of what i think there were two questions one was what exactly counts as this kind of hate speech or speech that should be allowed and then how this might relate to some issues on on college campuses right yeah or in general public speech i would say right Mm -hmm. um which it's tied to the fact that should we allow yeah so should we allow certain people that have opinions like i think the example that we used was the holocaust right mm-hmm. uh, some holocaust deniers uh, to be able to speak on on campus ground right uh, and especially since we made the distinction before uh, between private and public right so a private institution may have a specific mission but i would say uh and this might end up being similar to the, the Baker or anything like that. So let's talk about public institutions. I think if we make it narrower, uh, it's probably easier. Um, should we should we allow people, again, let's say for the sake of argument right now, Holocaust denier to, to be invited and to be speaking on a, on college campus? Or, you know, mm-hmm. should should we allow them to have a platform on on the Internet, right? Yeah, I think that so I think that's a, a good question. And I think when when we talk about like Holocaust denial and Nazi stuff, that's usually seen in one way. But when you flip it and, and give like the quote unquote left wing authoritarian thing, it's not met with the same kind of criticism. Mm-hmm. So when I was a student at my undergrad, um, there was this debate that we held and it was like you had. Uh, a leftist professor, you had a conservative professor, and then you had a libertarian professor. And then there was a moderator, and they just asked these questions, and they would kind of go back and forth. And it was really cool. There was, like, a lot of people there. Um, and the guy who was representing the, the left position, his name was Grover Fur, mm-hmm. And he, I think, was an English teacher, but he was really interested in history, and more specifically, Soviet history. Hmm. And something got brought up about the amount of people that had died in the Soviet Union, uh, you know, within X amount of time, like whatever millions. And his response was that that was all a lie. Hmm. And his response was that the Soviet history was falsified, that a lot of countries' history is falsified, which is true on on its own, right? Yeah. Um, 
But he was saying that this is the big lie that we tell, is that Stalin killed all these people because he has yet to find in his research one crime that was the quote that Stalin committed. And everyone okay. was like, what the hell is this guy talking about? But you know what? A bunch of students clapped. <laughs> and so there was support for this guy. And the, uh, the school newspaper interviewed me and was like, what do you think about this? And I said, well, it's wrong. Um, you know, I think he should be allowed to express that because it was outside of the classroom. If he was teaching that, that's, of course, a different, course, story. different story. So I, it's not good. Um, and I don't think he should be promoting those <laughs> ideas. But, you know, we shouldn't get rid of his job or something like that. And so the newspaper comes out a week later and the cover, <laughs> I, I have the newspaper still. It said the defamation of Grover Fur." And said how groups' <laughs> tactics proved to be nothing but a red scare. And like oh my, my quotes God. were in that. And I was like, are you <laughs> kidding me? I, I have a question first of all. When, yeah. did, when did you go to, to grad school? In the 70s or something? What? <laughs> so this was, this was undergrad. Oh, man. But, but grad school was bad too. So to yeah. relate it more directly to the question you asked, I remember saying something um, to people in my program that, you know, endorsing or allowing people to speak about position X is not the same thing as uh, endorsing position X, right? Mm -hmm. And then that got met with a lot of hate. Of course. Um, and people were saying this, this, you know, you're such a bad person. That's crazy that you're saying that. Um, this is why, you know, people think you're a joke and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And this was on Facebook. And so this one guy said it and then like, three or four other people in the grad program liked that. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking like, how, so this is how philosophy graduate students behave, like not by engaging in some kind of logical discourse and asking questions and complicating ideas, but by just like ganging up on someone and acting like little kids and calling people bad people. And, that, and that's mm -hmm. very much not something that only happened in my grad school. That's the climate for a lot of people, right? In in general, and, uh, and this is the mob rule of which we were talking about the the, the previous episode. Um, and while I am uh, in agreement with you, or generally speaking, uh, when it comes to the fact that we should allow people to express ideas, uh, and we should allow people to be able to to say what they think, uh, I think that the, the university campus is especially in university campuses that's especially true because this is where you actually uh, are able to uh, to expose people to different to different perspectives right um, I still believe though that there is somewhat of a problem f with the Soviet stuff just to clarify and yeah, with yeah the, right <laughs> and with this and with the other <laughs> side as well with the with the Holocaust stuff as well um, and it's even bigger of a problem on the internet and the problem is, giving amplifying somebody's voices mm -hmm. especially if this voice is spewing wrong information mm -hmm. that is a problem in itself right yeah no I, t I i'm willing to have the conversation i think the bigger problem was that people didn't even want to have a conversation no and of course so that's that's crazy right and especially if we are if we are inside academia somewhat uh, in general, I think, 
we need to have this kind of conversation. And, and, and the problem becomes, though, where do you, and again, it's always the problem of demarcation, right? Where do you draw the line? Yeah. And because if I am all of a sudden give you a platform to, I don't know, flat earthers, uh, to use something <laughs> that's a, a little bit less, uh, you know, politically charged, right? But, yeah, that's a good one. But that we can agree that they're spewing, they're telling something that it's not true, right? Uh, should we risk? Uh, there's this this uh, this book from Dan Sperber. It's called The Contagion of Ideas, right? Mm. Ideas are contagious. So whenever you put somebody uh, giving, you know, speaking and you know, telling ideas, those ideas eventually, just like the virus, uh, will right, right. will eventually get inside people, and they eventually, you know, reproduce and uh, build the specific uh, life. Uh, life view that people have, whatever that is. You don't need to be a philosopher to have a life view, right? We all uh, proceed in our life according to certain principles that we have created. And I wonder if you allow that, uh, aren't we risking to to make people believe stuff they are not, they're not, they're not supposed to believe, we're validating them, right? Hey, mm. I heard this on campus. Right, this right. comes from a speaker that was invited by from Harvard, Harvard, right? So it's I heard there's a Yale, mm-hmm. and therefore, if they're inviting him, there must be something true about it. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it it could be the case that it's seen as a kind of le- like legitimizing to You're use that word, it, right? right? And I think the issue becomes, like you said, one of demarcation because it's even if you say, okay, explicit Nazis bad. Explicit Stalinist, bad. It's like, what do you do for the people who aren't that, but get called that? Absolutely disingenuously, you know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, to to add to that, the example of the Holocaust denier. Well, so okay, now we're gonna get complaints. They're not necessarily. They don't need necessarily to be Nazis, right? Right. There was this history professor. Uh, in, in Italy during my uh, while I was getting my master's degree and he came and he was into uh, there was there was a, a conference organized a history conference uh, organized and he was the revisionist guy right the one that was going back and say well this doesn't wasn't that way it wasn't the other way and so on and so on and the guy actually caught some slack uh, but he wasn't a Nazi, right? He was just saying that certain numbers were incorrect. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was let's put it this way: he wasn't a declared Nazi. <laughs> okay. Let's put it this way: he seemed, and I was young, so I don't know now. Uh, he seemed like he had some data saying we need to. So the I want to say the the presupposition was that history is written by the victor, right? Mm-hmm. Whoever wins writes the history. Right, right. The the job of the historian is to go back after a while, after those things are cooled off, and see if we need to do maybe some revision of certain things we wrote in the heat of the moment. Okay. And he was saying that maybe certain things were exaggerated. I don't even remember what they were. So, but he started saying, I'm not denying that Nazism was bad. I'm not denying that Jews were killed. I'm not denying the Holocaust per se. However, we need to you know, we have to get this thing under control because this is not the way it is right now. Mm-hmm. And the question is, I guess what you were asking is, what do we do with this kind of people, right? 
Right. And, and I, the answer is, I don't know. I don't know, right? Because that's so, okay, you have the explicit ones up here, and then you have that guy down there, and that's already a complication, especially when he's explicitly distancing himself from those people, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have the issue where you get even lower, where it's like, I don't know, you express a, a position about economics or something, right? That's mm -hmm. not even controversial. And people will be like, oh, so you just want people to die. Oh, so you just hate people <laughs> of a certain race. <laughs> like, that's totally yeah. what it becomes, right? And I'm thinking of, um, so it, so we've talked about the the height and Lukianoff book, uh, mm -hmm. The Coddling of the American Mind. Mm -hmm. Very nuanced book. That's mm -hmm. not what you would think it is by the title. Very nuanced and good. Um, and they talk about how there are these three great untruths that are kind of permeated uh, mm -hmm. in, in academia. And the, the two of the ones that are coming to my mind right now, one is the world is a struggle between good and evil people. Mm -hmm. So it's like us versus them thinking, right? It's like, if yep. you don't 100% agree with me, you must be the worst person in the world. And so I'm going to do everything in my power to like personally attack and dethrone you and take away your livelihood yes. and all that stuff. Not good. And the Definitely second not. great untruth, quote unquote, is this idea that it, you should always trust your feelings. Like if I'm feeling something emotionally, it is automatically correct. And I don't need to assess myself. Mm -hmm. And it seems like when you put these two things together, this is how you get in, into the kind of pickle that exists today where it goes too far, where it's like, not only are we not giving Stalinists and Nazis a platform because you can make a case for why that's a good idea. But it's like anyone who says anything different from me, I'm not going to allow to have mm -hmm. the freedom to speak on a public institution. Yeah, which leads to this, the cancel culture, right? The yeah. fact that you start canceling people because in some aspect of their thought or their thinking or what they've done in their life, uh, they've done something that you don't agree and then at that point, they're disinvited, right? Mm -hmm. They're not invited anymore because of, of whatever it is, uh, which is very problematic. Very, very problematic. Uh, and it is an access there, right? This idea that if I feel offended, that means that that thing is offensive. Yes. If I feel... Um, oppressed. Oppressed by what you're saying and again this go back this goes back to the to the distinction that mill makes again between offensive stuff and harming uh, stuff right uh, we are at the point where we want censored which really baffles me uh censored by law also things that people find offensive mm -hmm. not just the ones that are harmful like the nazi stuff right but also the thing that people find offensive and can we say that the flat earthers are among the people that do harm? Because <laughs> I think they are. Because you know, at least potentially, somebody might decide they want. The, I think one yeah, guy died yeah. because of that, right? The, one of the flat earthers, the guy that w wanted to prove that Earth was flat uh -huh. by flying with some sort of a the steam rocket. That guy. Yeah, yeah. Did he yeah, die? Yeah, I think he died. He crashed oh, wow. and died. So that's definitely harmful. So flat earther. Right, not right there with the Nazis, but you know, that's <laughs> kind funny. of close. But um, but yeah, that that is definitely a problem. Uh, I and I wonder in in both versions of it, right? 
for the for the bad things, but also for this other side. I think it's even worse on the internet though, because the platform is bigger. Yeah, yeah. And the ganging on against someone is even bigger as well, right? You have both of these things, so it kind of exacts. Oh my god, uh, makes it worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good, good save. Uh, <laughs> it makes it worse uh, when these things happen on the internet. Also, for the things that you were saying before, for this fact that you're not there facing the other the other individual. So, I think that we see this, and this becomes even more important to to figure out today because. Especially today, because we're confined at home, yeah. and the only access that we have is non-social. Um, but then again, I, I'll I'm gonna go the other side and say, what do we do with with so-called fake news? Right? Mm-hmm. How do we mm-hmm. should we get rid of these things, or should we allow people just to critically analyze those things? And how do because that's key, right? Yeah, I mean, it seems like part of Okay, so you so other than the 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 moral issues of of censoring things, there's also the let's say consequential issues that arise from the mob type rule, and one of the things that results from that is you create a taboo, and yeah. you you kind of pave the way for people to hate you, right? Because if you're spending all your time hating someone, then all those people are going to be like okay, well, now I hate you and go out of their way to do things that they wouldn't have done. And so there's this this idea that uh, the polarization uh, of ideas keeps getting worse because, you know, the identity politics of one side just furnishes the other side with more fire. And so the left is causing the right, is causing the left, is causing the right. And then so it's just becoming this this battle precisely because of that. Uh, which is reasonable to believe. Uh and I wonder if we have to resign ourselves mm. probably to the fact that um, maybe there is no such thing as free speech, right? Mm. Interesting. Maybe free speech has always been allowed uh, within certain limits that were given by a specific, let's call it, historical moment. Mm-hmm. So probably... Uh, we're seeing this, and we are worried about free speech because we have we have this this uh, this image of it. We imagine that this thing that there was a time when this thing was much more purer, and mm. it was easier to say stuff. Right? Uh, there's certain things that you could say that you could say before, and you cannot say now, which is true, right? The problem, though, is what has changed is the perception of this free speech. Right now, we're complaining because all the things that we just said, but maybe in the 50s when they were they were allowed to to say, I don't know, all sorts of racist stuff <laughs> and without getting in trouble, uh, maybe people were complaining there because they weren't allowed to say hail Hitler, Hitler anymore in the 50s, right? Mm, okay. Uh, and at the end of the day, I wonder if this, this thing that we call free speech, we seem, because there is the word free in front of it, it seems like almost this unlimited stuff. It was always limited and decided by whoever, by the ethos, we can say, mm-hmm. of a specific period of time, by was constructed to use a to use something else, right, uh, right. by society, right? I haven't done this in a while. Uh, was socially constructed, 
uh, in a specific period of time. And there's no such thing as real free speech or freedom of expression, right? So you mean like holding that as a normative ideal even is kind of like you're on the treadmill going towards the food and like you never actually get it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that, that could be the case. I think it becomes a question of, okay, you could see that to some extent there's there's always this um, contextual element where it only means the thing that it means within the given historical moment. And obviously this evolves with time and maybe we're being anachronistic and or, or acontextual or something like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely could be the case. Um, I guess I just worry a little bit if we say it's only that Mm. so like maybe so for example you like there's a lot of these uh statistics specifically in the hype book that talk about polarization of views on college campuses and like how they change over time so within the given institution across several historical moments you've definitely seen this shift happening and the question becomes okay so does that mean we just have to kind of allow it to happen because this is just the the historical moment to use that phrase again or does it mean we still should maintain some kind of normative ideal even if it's not completely attainable like it, it's not it's not something that is 100% going to happen but you know to use kantian language shouldn't we act as if right that was the case uh, which is uh, which is interesting and we probably should i wonder if we have ever done that though as well mm. again it's interesting because uh, the more i think about this it seems that historically and again to make it obviously much more complex than this right it seemed that there is a specific moment in time in which there might be freedom of expression but not all people are free to say everything Mm, okay not everybody some people are forbidden we can say from speaking to make it more dramatically right yes more dramatic some people don't have the permission to speak within certain context Mm -hmm. and this is obviously a limitation of their free speech or freedom of expression right and yet the ones that are able to speak in those specific period of time instead can truly say almost everything okay and then we start seeing some sort of a switch. The moment societies get more integrated, we have more people participating in the discussion. And because of that, less things are allowed to be said. Because right. now, all of a sudden, I'm, I have to be careful with more. Uh, I have to deal with more sensibilities, right? I have to deal with more, uh, with a more complex situation. And therefore, I can say less things. If I'm right, this means that the more people are allowed in the public discussions, the less free speech there is. Right. It's that irony you were, you brought up in the in the last episode. And that's a good point. Do you think that means then uh, there has to be some kind of way, I don't know how to phrase this correctly, of deciding who should and should not be allowed at the table then, right? And Which is interesting, right? Isn't this actually the complaint that we have also about this fake news things of which we're talking about mean that everyone all of a sudden when this coronavirus hit everyone is an epidemiologist now right everyone knows <laughs> how to do these things and everyone has his own um, his own take on that right even if you have zero expertise 
but because you know everyone is allowed should be allowed to tell what they think mm -hmm. now we shouldn't censor any of this obviously and therefore everyone has a seat at the table and saying stuff mm -hmm. so should maybe there is is there a need to restrict who can participate to stuff in order to have more free speech yeah i mean it seems like ultimately the answer is yes but not in the way that you might think when you say yes because if you say yes and you're not charitable with your interpretation of what people say you're automatically going to assume that we mean something like oh they're saying there should be this segregation or something crazy <laughs> like that which is not at all the case the idea is exactly. like we need to have people that are promoting the kind of institutions and practices that allow for the greatest amount of productivity and human flourishing and also freedom, right? You want, it's like you want to balance everything. And so maybe these, these most radical views, okay, to some extent you need them because they do push and pull us in the different direction. But you sh it's like if your goal is to keep open conversation, mm -hmm. to have the most productive result let's gonna say i don't like the word productivity so let's just say the best result mm -hmm. that means by definition you shouldn't have people in the conversation who are just solely focused on shutting down the conversation absolutely and i wonder if you and again it's not i wonder if the exclusion of certain groups of people for example or not groups, because otherwise it seems like I'm really thinking of, of a specific population or anything mm -hmm. like that. Not that. I repeat again, not that. Uh, it's like what I'm thinking. Qualities, maybe. Yeah. So I was about to say, maybe the issue is some people, in order for to be allowed to partake in a certain discourse, for example, they need some form of training to get in there, right? Mm -hmm. They need to be given the tools to participate in that discussion. Yeah. And, but then again, there are issues with that, and we'll, maybe we'll talk about it in a minute. Uh, but, and the thing is, when you give, it's, it reminds me of the, of, the, of the Pythagoreans, right? Where you have the people that can speak and the ones that they just have to listen to learn stuff. Mm, okay. So maybe, I don't know. But, but then again, I wouldn't want the state to be determining who's allowed to speak or not. Right, right. Or sciences, for right, what right. that matters, because that's a technocracy. It's even worse in my mind, right? Yeah, no, I think uh, this, so and, this and obviously we, makes sense. Yeah, what were you going to say? Uh, uh, and I think that we can agree that the issue, especially on the internet, right, uh, with suading, with spreading false information, and even, but even on campus, right, if you had the, the Holocaust denier or the Stalinist, right, if we were, if all people, at the time, first of all, and the ability, and I think most people have the ability to read between the lines, but if they had the time and the will to go and read stuff and to analyze what they're reading instead of taking it critically just because it comes from their side, then they will realize that there will be no need and there will be no need to censoring this stuff because people will think that they were ridiculous to right. begin with. I, I'm sure that when I was... Uh, a graduate student that where the flat herder existed, but they were indignified because if mm -hmm. they would say something like that, all of us will laugh at them <laughs> and it would be like ridiculous, right? Instead, people are swayed by this 
let's say to use like a, the term in the Socratic way, because they're ignorant, right? Because mm-hmm. they literally don't know that there are means of analysis. And I think that's tied to the fact that disciplines like ours is in decline, right? Yeah. And I mean, it, if you think about this for more than five seconds, it's it obviously seems correct because it's like if you want to become a doctor, you don't just become a doctor because you say you want to be a doctor, right? You don't have the skills necessary. If mm-hmm. you want to become a tattoo artist, you aren't just automatically a tattoo artist. Oh, yeah, you, you can go out and tattoo whoever you want. It's like you need to have the training necessary to give you whatever skills required to do the thing well. And so isn't something like public policy, right? Or, or mm-hmm. discourse, something similar to that. And I'm thinking that, well, A, what you're saying just makes me kind of think of Plato mm-hmm. um, without his specifics, right? But the general yeah. form of some kind of hierarchy based on, on knowledge and ability and or competence, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also making me think, I, I keep forgetting the guy's name. I think it's something like Tom Nichols. He, this book I was reading recently called The Death of Expertise. And mm-hmm. this is the exact same thing he talks about where it's like everyone thinks they're an expert. And the funny thing is everyone would agree with that statement. Even mm-hmm. the people who themselves aren't experts but think they're experts would agree with that statement because they think they're included in like, you know, the good group or something like that. Yeah. But the idea is... Anyone on Facebook would be like, well, I am just as good as a doctor. Like, my word is just as important. Or, oh, anytime someone with expertise talks, you could just cry that it's an appeal to authority. Mm -hmm. Right? And it's a problem to level the playing field in that respect because it, it makes it seem like everyone has equal ability, which is false. And it Mm -hmm. also makes it seem like everyone's ideas are equally valid. Also false for the exact reasons we're talking about, right? So it seems like at the end of the day, well, there naturally is some kind of hierarchy. The question is, how do you implement that like socially and or politically in a way that preserves the, the good nature of the hierarchy but doesn't allow it to become the worst version of it? Of course, and I will add to that, that there is, so, again, the idea that everyone can be an expert, that's, if you, if, again, if you stop thinking about, if you start thinking about it for a minute, you're like, that's absurd, right? But I think that where this thing comes from is the idea that there are certain basic uh, opinions that one is able to hold just because he or she's a human being. Yeah. So there are certain things you cannot tell me that I cannot think that because exactly. I have the same authority that you have when it comes to, I don't know, racism or whatever you want. Right? Mm-hmm. Or let's think of something basic again. And then this thing, again, through this epitome, right, this idea that I am allowed just because I'm human to hold opinions then he expands, he ends up infecting also expertise there. Let's be frank, we don't all have, right? Right. And I'm the first one, you know, trying to understand how this virus works. And, you know, I studied a little bit of biology. I had, I had the logical tools in my head to, to do certain things. But 
I, I did know, so compared to a biologist, I know nothing about these things, right? Compared mm -hmm. to the people that study these things, I know nothing about them. Uh, and yet I create my own ideas in my head. I think that the difference is I usually don't post them on Facebook <laughs> or, or I, don't, I don't say to anybody, uh, this is the way you should think, except for my kids probably. Mm. Uh, and but and I think that that is also the problem there. The problem is that not only we want to hold our opinions, but we want to be able to express them, and we want our opinion to be taken in consideration. Yeah. As someone else. Yeah, I think because now now that I have a platform and the voice, I want my voice to be heard at all times. Yeah. What Again, I was what I was gonna say is that I think sometimes people confuse the freedom to speak or express oneself with the freedom to not be pushed back against. Exactly. And that is definitely not the same thing because it's like, yeah, you're you're free to say the things you want, but that doesn't mean everyone has to like list, like constantly agree with what you're saying and they're not allowed to push back or something like that. But you just reminded me, we were talking before about like these negative consequences that can result from quote unquote good intentioned censorship. Mm -hmm. And I was watching this, uh, this one conspiracy video, which, which everyone should do. Right. I think even if you don't <laughs> agree with these things, you should watch them. Right. Do not, do not expand like this, those, those ideas. Do not expand those ideas. So I was watching this video and, um, they were talking about a bunch of different things relating to like, oh, how was the virus created? How was it spread? Was it a political thing? Was it a, an economic thing? Like whatever. And then in the middle of their discussion, something got bleeped. Like when you're watching something on TV and they're just like, yeah. boop. And I was like, what? what is bleeped? And it happened again. And I was like, what the hell are they bleeping? And so, cause I couldn't read his lips. And so I scrolled through the comments Mm -hmm. And eventually I saw that what they were believing was the phrase 5G. Cause, what? Cause, well, because you know this like conspiracy, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So people think that the, the 5G frequency and radio waves in general are somehow responsible yeah. for like, you know, these diseases that happen. And uh, if that's wrong, right? If that's crazily wrong, which mm -hmm. most people and experts would say is crazily yeah. wrong. Yeah. Why would you censor it? Exactly. Right, because the moment you censor it, that's just going to fuel everyone being like, "Oh, see, they're censoring it because it's the it's truth" or something like that. And it validating. makes me think of something that uh, Obama said years back, which is that if if you think something's wrong, especially if you think something's like crazy, obviously wrong, wrong, you should just argue with it and like display the facts that exist that proves the thing wrong. You don't need to censor it because a maybe that's unjust and b the result might be worse than what you what you intended yeah on, on multiple levels and i agree with that and this is there's a part of me that's against any sort of censorship mm -hmm. but that might be a little bit too much i guess but anyway i think that that way of thinking it's interesting because it's telling you well let's bring it out right so first of all you debate with this right and you try to show how crazy the thing is and also you end up knowing that this person has this crazy belief and you can kind of work your way around it mm -hmm. i would rather 
not censor somebody that you know has I don't know some dangerous beliefs because now all of a sudden I know yeah. he or she is dangerous so I can step back I don't you know mm-hmm. uh, rather than st- having this this thing closeted uh, that's definitely better that's definitely definitely a, a, a much wiser idea than just you know pushing it down to a level that it's unseen it cannot be seen at all right yeah because I mean the other similarly it's like okay what if you did have some kind of nazi business owner wouldn't you want to know that so then you could choose not to patron them obviously you don't go the extreme with non calling non-nazis nazis but if you have a legitimate bad experience uh with someone who's espousing something absolutely terrible it's it seems like it's better to have the information and then to make the decision rather Mm -hmm. than not being able to make the decision and maybe doing something that you don't actually want to do had you had the information Absolutely. And again, uh, having allowing people to to express themselves on a personal level seems to me unproblematic. The thing that becomes problematic is, I think, better. Things become problematic because of these amplifiers or megaphones yeah. that people can use. That is the problem. Because again, if I know that you think something, that I want to know what you think. Because so this way, on a personal level, I'm fine. But then when you're starting to say what you think and depending the way you use language and so on, because of the lack of time and critical thinking uh, that, that the, the average person has, that all of us have, right? We don't have time to, to read everything there. Mm-hmm. Then if something is appealing to us, we have the tendency of checking it less or, of, or, you know, or just uh, assuming that that is what it is. And the moment we do that, that's when those, those megaphones are, are very important because then you have hundreds of thousands of people just listening to somebody and giving, you know, and validating what the person is saying and also behaving uh, according to what this person is, is saying. So I wonder if the problem is, I wonder if there would be a way if we can uncensor things that individual can say, hmm. but limit the access to those tools, so to speak. Interesting. And I wonder if, if this is like, if I'm saying the same thing as cancel culture, just in a different way. I don't know that. <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to think about that. But at the end of the day, we, so we had this conversation and we're seeing that there's, there's things that happen at a state level. There's things that happen at a small business level. There's things that happen at a big business level. And then the internet comes into this and then, the idea of democracy is even related and and yeah. education so there's so many things and i mean this is like the kind of catchphrase of every time we talk is like there's more to it than you think there is there's way more nuance that exists so we should keep talking about it right because that's the only way we we learn things absolutely and i think that again i, I don't want to go to the laundry list of things that we didn't even touch right mm, i was thinking uh, too uh, I, I don't necessarily want to go through that, but a topic like this, we can have like 10 episodes, right? And still, if we want to analyze one thing at a time, which is, and again, we talk a lot, I know, but uh, it is, I think it is indicative of the fact that this is a very difficult issue and that whenever we kind of say things like that, we get, we, whenever we think of, of, of free speech, freedom of speech, or freedom of expression, we need to, uh, 
we need to take this thing seriously, much more yeah. seriously than than thinking, oh, why not? I'm not allowed to say yeah. fire yeah, in, yeah, a, yeah. <laughs> in a movie theater, right? I want to say that I want to be free. Yeah, to, right? There's no such thing of free speech. No, it's, it's more complex than that, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think that an entire episode could be devoted to something like censorship, for example. Mm-hmm. Right? What, and censorship, and again, to tie it to things that we have done before, even in art, right? Yep. Are certain things that should? Can I say things in a song? Right. Can I have a song about rape? Right. Or things like that. Uh, but I think that's not that's not the time uh, to do that. Yeah. So we um, got a, a lot more. And even I was thinking like media, right? News yeah. media. You can have this whole conversation. And I feel like the idea is just don't don't knee jerk. Right. When you hear these things, <laughs> exactly. don't automatically accept it. Don't automatically reject it. Like actually think through it. Right. This the number one exactly. recommendation, I think. Absolutely. Uh, and if you had the time, read, and again, we don't have more, we need to, to wrap this up, but yeah. uh, I think that this is to do with education, but it also has to do with kind of the life rhythm that we all have. Hmm. Because we don't have time to pause and think because we're busy working, for example. That's true. We're busy. Our lifestyle is not the way it was. You know, you work all day, you come back, you got to cook, uh, you have stuff to do. So you read the headline and you're satisfied. Mm-hmm. Uh and instead, maybe we need to rethink the way we live in order to rethink this this very complex uh, stuff. Yeah, right. So it's all about setting up the the conditions necessary for the the legitimate education that will allow you to to flourish in this way. And blah blah blah. We, yeah. You know, we say we say all these things, <laughs> but I suppose we yeah. can talk about yeah. this in some future stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's it for today, right? All right, that's it. So all right. see you around, everyone. See you around, everybody. Oh,